Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 104. Uh, last week, we spoke to Jack Iredale, um, who is a professional footballer. Quite a cool story, having went, having fought through diabetes. Uh, not fought through diabetes, but living with diabetes, having fought through three different major ACL injuries up until he was 20, and really starting to think, well, is this going to be the career am I going to manage to get into this? And over the last sort of eight, six or seven years, has progressed to, to play and then what could be at time of uh, release for his episode potentially be in the championship. Uh, so the second second league in England, arguably the most competitive league in the world. So a really cool story. Uh, sort of spoke about a lot there. I don't know what the next episode is. Um, we're sort of uh, filming a wee bit ahead at the minute. Uh, but today we have someone who's, how do I put this? Certainly been making some waves on the old Instagram. You see him pop up quite a lot, talking about a pretty major topical thing in the ag sector at the minute. Um, but we'll get into that later on. So I'm going to introduce you to Johan Humphreys. Johan, you want to say hello? Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to A-Plan Rural for that. Oh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on, mate. A pleasure to have you on. Uh, you might recognise that that name from That Welsh Farmer. That's what he is on Instagram if you want to check him out with some underscores between the words. Um, so, yeah, uh, one thing I meant to say before I introduced you on there, just in general, was you've probably noticed that Randomly in the middle of 104 episodes of farming podcasts, a footballer's appeared. And apart from him at the end saying, I did feed a calf on your farm, Wallace, um, that is his only connection to farming. How has this came into an agricultural podcast? Well, the reason for that is, and you've probably noticed over the last few episodes, but if you haven't, go back and check number 100, where I was the guest. Shit, I know. Thinking 100th episode, we're going to get someone cool um, or a little bit more entertaining than you but no I was the 100th guest to announce the fact that we're starting a second series of the podcast so we're going to have the the food and farming side continuing as we do six episodes a month and then also two episodes a month of um, what's going to be called the R2Cast all in so Jack footballer the next one is episode 107 of the podcast um, with Dylan and Celtia who are a uh, basically world travellers. I think they're my age, 26, and I've been to between them 88 countries. So um, quite a cool story that. Uh, so yeah, just a little side fact, I'll probably stop plugging the All In podcast because you'll just be getting used to them appearing from now on. Um, but that that's just a little bit of info there. But uh, speaking with Johan, who I had to sort of have a quick chat with as to how to pronounce his name, so I didn't want to say the wrong way uh, <laughs> before, um, embarrassingly. Uh, Johan, tell us a bit about yourself. Sort of what's what's your background? What was what was a young Johan doing? What what's your sort of history in that sense? Um, yeah, so I'm a fourth generation farmer. Um, my great grandfather bought the farm in 1903 off the estate. So the village I live used to be a big estate. Um, he bought the he was a miller, so he bought the mill, and then once the estate split up. He bought the farm and then 
to my grandfather and my dad. And then it got to me um, somehow. I had I had no interest in it. Didn't want anything to do with it. Hated every minute of being on the farm. Um, just wanted to muck around, go and play football, try and speak to girls, which never worked. Also, football never worked either, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in sixth form. Uh, what was I doing in sixth form? Geography. Uh, P and media studies so literally I was doing nothing like just going nowhere um, head in the clouds uh, <laughs> yeah when I look back I was thinking I must be the only person to ever have done them three subjects together Like well, this it's, it's funny you say that <laughs> <laughs> I did two of them and focused my English quite a lot of media <laughs> <laughs> I did geography in Welsh though so I was, uh, yeah, so Welsh is my first language. Um, did all my school through Welsh, except English lessons, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, so in, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago, when I was 19-ish, my dad got ill, um, so he got prostate cancer. Um, and that hit him quite, oomph, mm. quite hard in the prostate. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> you, have a, yeah. you have a humorous way of dealing with that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um he kind of he lost all his strength um you know he had a one of them bags that you pee in you know strapped to his ankle so as you can imagine sheep work and cattle work and everything was just horrendous so he said to me well i'm you can either start taking over the farm or I can rent it out or sell it because I just physically can't do it anymore. Uh, yeah, and that's how I got into farming. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, like, how did you get into it if, if it was no interest? Um, yeah. It's almost quite, like, sort of sad terms that meant you meant you led to it, but uh, was, was it a decision that you're happy you made? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, I <laughs> be any happier you know with I know it happened unfortunately but I'm very lucky that it happened that way otherwise I wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have done it in any other circumstance I would have been I don't know what I'd be now I don't know I can chat I'm pretty I'd be selling cars or something selling like cheap cars <laughs> or I don't know yeah I'd be something random it's um yeah I mean we 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 had an episode with Karen Moynihan. I don't know if you know who that is, uh, or quite big on TikTok, uh, who had a similar story. You know, she'd sort of um, shown somewhat of an interest in the farm, and then her dad had had a had a paralyzing injury, literally, uh, and she was sort of like flung in at the deep end on that on that basis. But um, at that point, you weren't interested in the farm. So when your old man came to you, that must have been quite like. Oh God, I don't actually know. I don't have any interest in this. Like, what? What made you say yes? I don't know. I, I don't. Guilt, maybe. Right. No, like, you've the farm. We've had the farm since 1903. You know, you kind of feel that responsibility to continue the family tradition. Do you, does it make sense, kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, and I literally had no idea. I had zero interest. I was like a new entrant coming in. You know, I could spread fertilizer, I could roll the fields, um, and I could pull lambs. Um, I had no idea when sheep needed drenching. I had no idea what when you know I could wrap wool, but I had no idea when the shearers would turn up. No idea when to close off fields for harvest or when to cut or nothing. No, um, so I was kind of like, oh no, what am I doing here? Um, what age were you at that stage? 18, 19. What age do you know, adventurist? I can't. Oh, I was thinking much younger. <clears throat> yeah, 30 years old. I've been there a long time. That's <laughs> <laughs> about a long time. It's only 30, but uh, yeah. Um, but that, that's a young age to take on that sort of decision. So it's a big one. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. It was difficult. Yeah. I spent a lot of time like hating it, hating it every minute of it. Right. Horrible. Um, but. It's worked out. It's worked out really, really well. I'm really lucky that you know my mother and father were really supportive in what I wanted to do. So they said, right. So we were farming a lot of sheep and a lot of cows, and when he got ill, we just cut everything in half, so I could manage it. If you know, like they couldn't just chuck me in with these sheep and a. It'd be too overwhelming, so we just cut every, all stock in half, and then I built it back up slowly. Um, but they were just there; anything I ever needed, they were happy to help me, isn't it? You know, um, and I got to drive the nice farm pickup around. <laughs> so I was buzzing with that. <laughs> you were sorted, man. You were sorted. You're absolutely sorted. <laughs> How long did it take? You said you hated it at first. How long did it take before you were like, oh, "Okay, this is good. This is okay." Two years. Fair play to you for sticking it. That's yeah. Time. Yeah, that's time. Yeah, but it gets, it, get, it gets gradually better, and then you hit a point you're like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. You know, you're your own boss, working outside every day, doing something different. You know, working with animals. I really enjoy working with the animals. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really. I I love it now, isn't it? It's really great. Have you um have you siblings? Yes. Uh, so I've got an older sister. Um, so she moved down to Cardiff, trying to be an actress. Um, that um, panned out differently. So she's back home in the in the village now, and she's got some holiday houses um, right. that she runs. So we bought a little holding, twenty acres with some old barns and stuff. So she's converted. I got the 20 acres, <laughs> but she's got the <laughs> barns that I converted. Um, and then I've got a younger sister as well, who is still uh, up in the air, not sure what she wants to do yet, but she is working in my poultry unit. So she runs, you know, the day-to-day -day, uh, of the poultry unit, Monday to Friday. Yeah, so she does the main, you know, egg collecting and... Um, bird checks and then I'm on all the paperwork and you know the boring bit <laughs> yeah it's important it's important wait yeah. where is home what what part so I'm in mid Wales um so I'm like right in the center of Wales so if you put a compass on Wales I'd be right in the middle right in the middle yeah are you so is that perfectly pretty much perfectly in line with Aberystwyth 
Just uh, yeah, so I'm an I'm like an hour directly inland from Aberystwyth, so I'm between <clears throat> Aberystwyth and Shrewsbury. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do I, do, uh, obviously from Scotland, drove to Aberystwyth quite a bit, and uh, I always used to remember, like, you get the Welsh border, and you look like. Oh, can't be that far away. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's far away. <laughs> and it's and you never get any chance to go above 40 mile an hour. <laughs> no. no. Wales is really deceivingly big um, because everyone's like, oh, you're from Wales. Do you know Die from uh, down the road? I'm like, no, Wales is actually really quite big. <laughs> I think we get that in Scotland as well. I was doing a harvest down in Essex and uh, the... The guy came, I was getting a tractor swapped over and he heard the accent and he's like, oh, you're not from here. And I'm like, correct. Uh, and he said, um, where are you from? And I was like, oh, Scotland, mate. And there's like a, uh, it's the most southerly island off the southwest coast. That's where I'm from. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. My pal Neil, I think it was McGregor was the name. Neil McGregor lives in Perth. Do you know him? And I'm like, well, it's a good 300 miles away. And I'm <laughs> so no, I don't know Neil McGregor, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're from England. Well, do you know such and such from Liverpool? That's that sort of <laughs> if, um, if I'd known Welsh was your first language, I'd have tried to do the intro in Welsh. Um, I, do, I think I know uh, Croiso is yeah. welcome. Um, yeah. I've, uh, I had Maynard Howells on once, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I did this. Uh, it was Artucast number 10. Croiso. Uh, Croiso, it's like, Anal or something in there. Welcome back to our two cast. Uh, Croiso, Anol. That I was here. I wasn't miles off. Yeah, I know. Croiso, Anol, our two cast. Yeah, I was good. So <laughs> it's your it's your main language then. Um, yeah, so that's what I did all my um, school through. When I go to market, I speak Welsh, um, but I speak English at home on the farm. Is is your sisters all Welsh? English, yeah. yeah. Welsh, yeah. My mum used to be a learning support teacher uh, in a Welsh school as well. So, um, yeah. So I speak to my son in Welsh, uh, and my wife speaks English to him. Right. Okay. So yeah, she, she speaks English. She's not as speak as well. Can't speak as much Welsh as me. So. Right. Yeah. So just, I always quite like to hear languages. The last episode I filmed with someone that spoke Spanish and German. And uh, I asked them just to say a sentence. You're putting me under pressure, Ian. Eh? <laughs> if it's your first language, I'm sure you can. It's not like a, it's not like you've just learned a language. You know like, no. what to say? What to, I don't know. Just something like your name or whatever. I don't know. Well, that's not your name's not going to change, but I say no. So um, what I'll say is uh, my name's Jan Humphreys, um, and I'm a free-range uh, poultry farmer. So N O E U Jan Humphreys. Adwin Fermia, Yair Maisreith. Understood one word. Well, three words in there. Fermio. Heard that, or Fermi, Fermio? That's right, isn't it? Yeah. That's the name of the, the, the sort of country file in Wales, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I did an episode on that once. Did you? Right? How'd that go? About? Tell us about that. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, so uh, in 2019, I built the poultry unit, so the 32,000 bird poultry unit. Um, and they phoned me up and they wanted to do a segment on new businesses. So they came and filmed all about why I did it and what it's like and if I regretted it yet. Um, and yeah. Positive question. <laughs> yeah. 
walking around the field with me just collecting eggs for a day. So yeah, it, was, it was really good. Um, did all that in Welsh. I guess, the, do you know, actually in, in credit to Fermio and, and just Welsh sort of TV in general, like up here, um, my mum and dad don't do a lot of travelling. So they haven't been to Highland Show probably since they were taking me as a kid. Yeah. And uh, they don't they don't go to many things. And um, they they all watch the whole Welsh show because it's all documented. And I yeah. think brilliant. Like we don't have that up here. Land would do like a wee bit of, you know, we're at the Highland Show and this is us trying some cheese. But like uh, the, the Welsh show's done really well. And mm, yeah. What's it? This farming life or something? That's all yeah. in Scotland, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 real fancy farmers. The last one I watched, they bought a tap for fifty thousand guineas or something. So I embarrassingly haven't watched it. Have you not? No. <laughs> fifty thousand guineas for a tap, and I was like, it's not, it's not. <laughs> yeah. You see any of these world records and stuff, or or not even just world records, just high numbers like your old house burns and proctors and stuff like that, like. I'm not calling them out, but I've said it a few times. Like it feels false, and I think it. You it, buy mine, and I'll buy yours. Yeah, They're just swapping. I, I reckon that's what's happening. I'm only saying that because I haven't got the money to buy a really fancy one. But we're only saying this out of jealousy. But I mean, it's it's true though because like, I mean, collusion's illegal, and it's a if if that's what's happening, it's a form of it. Like, and that's a, it's not great. But what what that does though, from a the rest of us perspective, is. When when that Texel top was sold, I'm terrible at figures, but it was a hundred and something thousand, like, and uh, it was a Texel top lamb or was it a Sheerland? I can't remember, but anyway, it was on BBC Breakfast. Yeah. Sheep cost this. Th- so so people here, oh, such and such has got six hundred sheep. Well, they must all be worth a hundred thousand each. You know, <laughs> like yeah. that's how they it see does, it. It does kind of put a like. Oh, well, farmers are doing fine. If they can spend that much money on one sheep, then they must be doing fine, you know. But it's there's a very small group of you know tuck breeders and buyers that can actually afford to do that. The general farmer spending a thousand pounds on a ram. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's a it's, it's a strange world, but who was that on this farming life? Do you know? You know which one that was, or? No, I have no idea who it was. I've filmed with I've filmed with a lot of people on there like I'd say I'm pretty good friends with Emma Gray um, yeah. Emma and you and have been on Stevie Mitchell Lynn Sandra Lindbrick I'll be missing folk I know I am but yeah it's uh, oh, the Rones Tracy and Aylett Roan um, it's a good show though I think it does a lot of good for, for a lot yeah. of things I mean we've got things like Countryfile and folks like Countryfile but at the same time like if six million people, I mean, filmed with Adam as well. If six million people are are um, looking at farm in a positive light, <laughs> that's invaluable. Like, so uh, I think we've got to look at these with a bit more positive. Positive. There was a real good looking bloke on Country Fire last night. Anyway, was it you? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. You're clearly on telly all the time. Fantastic. Mm. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm, from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years, or a fancy new and exciting diversification. I got, I record it on my phone and send them then their clips, 
I send them the clips that I record and then they edit it together and then put it out. So it's only like a five, six minute segment of just a bit of real, real farming, you know, what's he up to today? Um, so last night was a lambing special. So oh, I have a segment on that just to show a bit of, you know, if it's good, I'll show it. If it's bad, I'll show it kind of thing. I'm a bit more of a, you know, farming isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It does go wrong. So, and I'm happy to show, I'm happy to show when stuff goes wrong because it does. <laughs> I think more people should be like that in fairness. I get it's tricky, but I, I do think so. So tell us, tell us about the farm, Johan, what, what's involved. You, you've half the sheep and cow numbers. Um, yeah, are I you built still them, I built them, oh, Well, I built the sheep back up. Um, cows still running 25 uh, sucklers and then they've got their followers. <coughs> um, yeah, we went down to about 600 ewes when I took over. Now we're back up to about 1,000. Okay. Um, and then there's 32,000 free-range hens roaming around too. Is it Welsh mountain sheep? What, what are you running there? Uh, so half the flock are Welsh mountain and Welsh speckle-faced. Oh, yeah. Um, so nice hardy breeds. They all lamb outside, um, outside all year round. And then I've got a lowland flock, which would be like a Welsh mule, Texel cross, Suffolk cross. Um, and now I've just experimented with a North Country Cheviot ram Mate. for my Welsh ewes to make a nice little Welsh mule type. So, yeah, they all lamb indoors early. You sound like the perfect, perfect question to ask this. Uh, I'll even show you what I think it is. How do you pronounce... The sheep, L L E Y N. Keen. Oh my God, I was so far off. <laughs> I knew it was the, the like, so um, I used to go to Clangochlan quite a lot. So I knew yeah. L L was like HL, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I thought it was like Clin. Um, no, Keen. Right, okay. Excellent. So the E is silent. So it's. You miss the E and then it's Y N Sheen. Double L E that doesn't matter and a Y that's kind of half pronounced. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but in the in the Welsh alphabet, a Y is er. But that's not what you said. Sheen. Sheen. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Welsh is weird. <laughs> was that was that place when you're not far past Oswald Street? Um Roshalanshagog, Ro- Oh my god, I was so far off. Right, okay. <laughs> I'm, not sure, no. I'm not sure where where, where that place is. There's Shanvad Pushguingish Gorgerin, Gorgerin, something Shansandrelia go go go. That's the one. Is that the one that on the weather forecast? It's yeah. like lines. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, oh, we've got nothing exciting like that up in Scotland. It's just like. Octor Mukti and Echo Fekin, which are spelled exactly how they sound. It's a bit of a shame. You got Nessie? <laughs> difficult to say, but we, we, we do argue, maybe have Nessie. Uh, and speaking, speaking of snake-like characters, you've just put your arm up at the minute. Tell us, tell us about that. Uh, uh, your bicep there. <laughs> yeah, tattoo there. It's, it says FKN grass snakes. There's grass snake in the middle. Yeah. Um, so I hate grass snakes with a passion. Um, 
I will actually, I do have to actually admit, I've never seen a grass snake, but I know if I see one, I won't like it. So is it snakes in general or is it grass snakes in particular? Because they're a very undangerous snake. <sighs> Don't like any snakes, but grass snakes, I'm sure they've got a nasty look on them. They must have evil eyes or something. I can tell. I know. I know. I know when I see one, I'm not going to like it. Um, so I'm just letting them know before I meet them that I don't like them. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> you know, on the island I'm from, there is adders and grass snakes, and that's it. So There's, there's adders around me. Um, I've never seen one of them either, but I know they're there. Um, and I hate them too. <laughs> snakes. Oh, I, I, I get it. I like, get it. We've got... Um, what they call slow worms as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they can swivel. They can get out of here. It's yeah, I, yeah, I totally get it, being scared of snakes. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm over fond on them, but um, yeah, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And you I might. Went, oh, I, that? I went to Australia for three months. And I didn't even see one snake there. Um, in a zoo, I saw a snake in a zoo. I didn't even. I didn't like that, but still. Look at me. Go to the other side. Go look at the lions and the tigers. Yeah. I was watching a video with, I don't know if you follow, like, uh, this is very random. I don't know where this discussion came from, but anyway, um, about uh, World's Strongest Man and stuff like that. Like, I follow a lot of that. I am very much not one of them, but uh, Eddie Hall and Brian Shaw, for who yeah. if you do know, um, or if you don't know, Eddie Hall's a sort of short, stocky, won the World's Strongest Man once from Stoke, was 200 kilos at one point, but it's six foot three. Brian Shaw, four-time champion, used to be like 450 pounds, this sort of thing. Massive guys. And they went to see this liger, which, <laughs> going to be honest, thought it was a fake thing. I thought it was a joke. Um, I'd never, I'd heard of ligers, but I thought it was just people pretending. Uh, it was huge. It was Massive. 940 pounds. Massive, yeah. Massive ligers. Tigers are huge anyway. Yeah, and I mean, like, tigers and lions are big, yeah? It's not like a cat. But I was blown away, man. I yeah. was blown away. Um, yeah, massive. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't believe it. We, we were at uh, Blair Drummond. <laughs> Welcome on to the uh, agricultural podcast where I tell you stories about stupid tourists at a zoo. We were at Blair Drummond, which is like a safari park up in Scotland, and I absolutely love it, like love it. Um, and the way you get into it is through an open enclosure, enclosure of animals. So lions, uh, Probably wouldn't be giraffes in with the lions. That wouldn't work. So it must be... No, because there's like separate bits. Yeah, so like lions, elephants, giraffes, tigers and stuff like that. And this woman in front of us got out her car. Yeah. <laughs> and this like, this pickup, one of the rangers like flew over, like fucking screaming at her. Get in that fucking car. Um, yeah, this has been a weird caveat, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> you might as well tell us about the other tattoo. That's quite funny as well. So uh, this one here, um, yeah, so that's uh, two cowboys high-fiving um, because I like cowboys, I like high-fives. Um, or it could be two cowboys line dancing. It's up to you, whatever you want to call that, yeah. You so, make them dance if you move your arm the right way. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I should have got, got one on each arm. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's <laughs> it. Um, so, to what, four years ago, you put... Uh, a house for 32,000 poultry in. Yes. I guess the only question I really have is why. It's a big decision. It's a massive decision. Mm -hmm. what, what guided you in that direction? Um, <laughs> what idiot I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it would be a bit of security for the farm. Um, you know, the sheep 
um, beef market was so volatile back then. You know, you had no idea what you were going to get for anything. Um, it's still pretty volatile now. The beef market's through the roof. Um, so I thought it'd be, you know, it's a lot of the numbers game. So you know exactly how much you're spending on everything. You know exactly how much you're getting paid for your eggs. You get paid weekly for your eggs. Um, so you're getting this money coming in every week. It's a constant stream on your farm, your cash flow, you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, that's what I thought it was going to be. So that's why I did it just to secure the farm. You know, I hate saying it, but you know, we left the EU, which was the stupidest thing ever. Um, in my opinion. Uh, so I didn't know what was going to happen to the, the farming scene. So I thought if I have this poultry, business up and running a nice solid income the farm secure for me and future generations and that's what i was trying to do anyway but i, I take it you weren't uh, a, a brexiteer no I, I can't even believe we were the public were allowed to vote on it and every farmer got duped into thinking it would be a good thing for farming when as a matter of fact, it was probably the worst thing that has ever happened for farming in the UK, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, politicians lie. That's, what's the, that's what they're good at. And they get you to vote on for something and then they just pull it from underneath you. That's, that's how they make their living. I mean, or the, the person that made us do it left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> People find this out pretty quickly and they speak to me. There's not really much point in trying to talk about politics because I don't really get it. Uh, to the point that, and people get angry at me for this, I don't really vote. Um, I was kind of too busy at the Highland show and forgot that a vote was happening. So <laughs> never actually voted. I'll be honest, at the time, had I voted, I was going to vote leave. And uh, dear, if if I had, I would be pretty happy in those words now. Like, I mean, I think, I think, I think there's a positive to offering younger folk the chance to vote. When was it 2016? Is that right? No idea. I've kind yeah. of blanked that out of my mind. I think it was June 2016, so I would have been 18. Mm. Um, pretty young, but I get that's sort of obviously going to be the age, but uh, I don't think you're actually at the stage of really being able to make a good decision in that sense. But anyway, I get what you're saying, but just before I sort of ask you about the poultry side, um, what do you think the UK will offer to subsidized food production in this country do you think we're going to see any subsidy uh, we'll get we'll get money for being as environmentally friendly as humanly possible so you know we'll get money the the more stuff you're doing to reduce carbon footprint and help the environment the more money you'll get if you don't want to do it you'll get penalized you'll get penalized and you'll have to do it anyway for no money so they'll entice you in to do as much, you know, environmental work um, as with for money. Uh, I don't think they really, I don't think they're really that worried about the food production systems at the minute. Um, they should be, they really should be. Uh, you know, we all want to keep our costs down and be as you know, eco-friendly. I got solar panels on the roof of the hen shed, but I've only got 34 kilowatts because the grid won't let me put any more on. I could be self-sufficient if I put another 50 kilowatts on, but they won't let me. Um, 
Why wouldn't they let you? There's no room on the grid, so I've got to speak to someone to get a machine to like cut off the solar panels if they start to export because I'm not allowed to export more than 34 kilowatts, but I'm using about 140 kilowatts a day anyway. Oh, yes. Another one of my... You're making the effort to to basically make all of your energy a circular system that's on your farm and they're against that, yet they're promoting sustainability, reduced carbon. Yeah, but then if I'm self-sufficient, then I won't be giving them any money, will I? Yes, I guess so. But <laughs> yeah, fair. It's like I've got a solution to cancer, but Pfizer don't want to hear it. Like it's mad. Um, yeah, but annoying, but it is. It is the way it is. So, um, yeah, poultry are there. They are now on the farm. Um, yes. what, what was the process involved in building that? I don't assume it's a. Ah, we now have a shed. I assume that's quite a major, major, uh, major undertaking. Yeah. So. Um, Planning permission, lot huge, huge planning permission. That took like 14 months to get planning permission on the shed. And, and then as soon as you get the green light, you phone up your poultry supplier and say, right, I've got planning. I'm starting on the groundworks today. And they go, okay, then we'll send your birds in five months. And you go, oh, really? They're like, yep, we'll order them now. Your birds will be with you in five months. So then you get as many people onto the site, you clear it, get the concrete in, shed up, concrete the floors. The floors in there are like glass, you know, they're so smooth to stop any germs or anything getting in there. Um, you get the equipment in there. You know, I spent 700,000 on equipment on the just for the inside, um, you know, for the birds to live and nest in they sent four blokes from romania came out they built that in five weeks built the insides and then yeah they turn up and they here you go here's your birds <laughs> does so, that mean happens they just so i start the 25th of november uh the bulldozer turned up on the site and then it was like the 10th of June, I think the birds were in. So yeah, six months-ish. That is rapid. Did I see why you were like, shit, like, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's um, shed too, yeah. 140 metres long by 20 metres wide. Mm. What's that? Best part of 3,000 metres squared? I have no idea. Big. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is big. Um, what... what um, like, did you know much about poultry before this? Uh, I went to my mates and did one shift in his poultry shed. Yep, so basically an expert. <laughs> yeah, no, I've just learned along the way. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. so like the company I do, I get my birds off. They've got like field persons. Right. So if you've got any problems, you phone them up and like, oh, the birds are acting funny. Can you come out and see him? And he's like, oh, yeah, this is why they're acting funny. You need to do this and it'll stop him. Or you need to do the lights and this, this, and this, and this kind of thing. Yeah, so you do get a lot of support, but um, it's pretty wild. So arguably the most technologically advanced system in farming is poultry, certainly up there. What's, what's involved in, in what you're doing as a manager? 
so I can tell like um, the app has deleted itself um, off my phone, but if I had it on, I could tell you now to the gram how much each bird has eaten today, yesterday, before. Yeah, each bird. Oh, as a total average pair. Yeah, so it's the, the total that goes through and then it splits the average between the birds. Um, feed, water, I can tell you the heat inside, outside. Yeah, if the vet, what the ventilation is doing, I can edit the ventilation. If it's too hot in there, I can turn the fans on or, or I can make the wind speed in there quicker. Um, you know, if it's a bit dusty, I can get the air going through. Um, yeah, lights go from 100% down to 40 30%. Every light, I can do that. Yeah, it's crazy. And for how... So, right, I'm trying to word this. I know exactly what I'm trying to ask. Um, you know how much feed per bird? Mm -hmm. I assume in a, a shed of 32,000 animals, mm -hmm. there's going to be an, a notable amount of loss, even if it's a low percentage. How does it know what's died? Is that manually inputted? Yeah, so I'll have one, one a day die, maybe, if I'm unlucky. Oh, right. oh, wow, I thought it was going to be much higher than that. Right, okay. No. So my mortality uh, on my last flock, so I had my last flock um, for, uh, let me see, 60, 62 weeks or something they were with me for, and my mortality was 3% out of 32,000. Yeah, so that's over the course of 60, 62 weeks, so a year and a fifth, give yeah. or take. yeah. 3%. So what's that? 900 birds. That's amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. That shed is built. That The birds in that shed will have a better life than birds in someone's back garden. Now, is, is that, I think is amazing, but, you know, just benchmarking-wise, is that good? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's a sort of national average? Or maybe not? Um, Specifically. Six, 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 seven percent. Wow. So is, is that purely down to the shed or is that down to you guys as well? Both. Both yeah. yeah. So my shed's really new, pristine, clean. Everything is built. It's the, I went for the, you know, the Bentley of sheds. Yeah. So it's the dogs, danglers of sheds. Um, so the birds are always in perfect condition. They've always got feed, water, they're always warm. They can go outside whenever they want. They can come back in whenever they want. They're just, they've got toys to play with, extra stuff to eat and dust to bathe in. They're just, yeah, they've got the best. When they're with me, that's the best life they could ever have. Um, and we're in there two, three times a day, walking, making sure that they're, any problems, you've got to get on top of it like that. You know, if a problem comes today and you miss it, you'll have a big problem in two days' time. And what, what are these problems? What problems e are you E. coli. Right. Smothering. If smothering starts, then it's a bit of, bit of trouble because if one goes into a corner, the other one's like, that's a nice corner. And she's like, I'm going in there. And then the other one's like, whoa, these guys are in this corner. That's a really nice corner. And they just go, Poof. yeah. And, you know, you can have 100 birds just on top of each other in a corner. And then, yeah. Um, if they if they miss if one of the water drinkers doesn't work, 
Um, yeah, that's a, water's the main problem. If you've got a problem with your water, they just lose it. They don't drink and then they panic. And yeah, they'll start dying then. And, and, and what's, what's the main way E. coli is getting in and how are you treating when it's there? Um, e. coli is... E. coli is in the bird. It's always in the bird. Okay. It's just something that, you, like a stress or something, can flare it up. Ah. And then once one gets it, then she'll pass it to the other. Once it flares up on one, she'll pass it around. So, you know, if you have a power cut and the lights are flicking on and off, that'll stress them out and they can get out. One can get E. coli from that and then she'll die and then the other will peck or... She'll, you know, do a poop in the feed and then it goes, and, yeah. So and I take it maybe you're like, uh, <laughs> oh, that's a nice corner smothering could lead to some getting E. coli, those that don't die. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it was a, it's a very quick learning curve, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you got, there's more to it than, than I thought anyway. You know, you got to turn the belt on the same time every day because that belt has a certain noise and then the chickens get used to when that's it's like dairy cows isn't it dairy cows like to get milk the same time every day chickens like to be fed the same time every day they like the, the feed belts the the egg belts to go on the same time every day like the muck conveyor to go on the same time um yeah it's weird so there is it's not obviously ad lib feeding. It's just there's feeding times. Is that how many times throughout the day is that? Times a day, yeah. So, so thirty-two thousand birds will eat about four ton of feed a day. So that leads me to my next question: Your input costs must be phenomenal. Yes. Um, <laughs> Ten thousand pound a week on feed. Um, water. I'm on a borehole. So paid for the borehole, so that's it. Electric costs, it's a lot. <laughs> um, and then staff, you know, labour. Uh, but, yeah, it costs... A flock of hens costs me about 1.2 million. And that's sort of your 32,000, yeah? Yeah, so to, for a flock of... To have the flock of birds for their duration I'll spend 1.2 million yeah. Wow is there not a pardon my ignorance by the way I know nothing about this um, is is there not a way you can breed your own replacements I guess no. that's not a thing that happens no no so you know there's the laying the, la the hatcheries and the laying hens and then I just get mine in at 16 weeks uh, they're with me and they start laying at about 21 weeks so yeah it would cost me a lot of money to get them from chick to lay you know 16 weeks 20 weeks five months of just spending money on them before i even get an egg so i just buy them in that would cost you more than than 1.2 million well, it would add to the cost, yeah. You'd yeah, add sure. a hell of a lot to the cost, yeah. Yeah, wow. Well, I, I, yeah, of course. I assume like a day old's cheaper, but you're still having to pay for them, of course, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned at the start, I asked why 
uh, poultry and why to go down that route. And you said because, um, you know, you knew the price before, you knew all that sort of thing. And yeah. then you said, so I thought, is that not the case? Last year it was. <laughs> Tell us about that. I said at the start that, you know, that there's that, that um, there was something we we're going to go over. And yeah, last year was sort of I was talking about, and it's probably where I sort of first became aware of you on Instagram, sort of speaking. Yeah. Speaking about the challenges of 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 the egg sector, I guess it was all put down to bird flu. But from what I understand, that really was not the case. So, so no. tell us about that. <clears throat> the bird flu was a factor. Um, you know, I'm not going to deny that bird flu was about killed uh, about 2.5 million birds so far. Bird flu has, but last year. It was costing me about one pound twenty-five to produce a dozen eggs. Okay. Uh, I was getting paid one pound and nine pence for that dozen eggs. Jesus Christ! And <laughs> right, so say that again. It cost you one pound twenty-five per dozen? Did you say? Yeah, to do, to produce a dozen eggs. Yeah. How many dozen do you produce in a week or a day or what? Oh, Lord. Um, How many eggs? I know I know eggs. Have you got a calculator on yet? I'm kind of one of them myself. I like doing this. Okay, uh, so I'll average 30,000 eggs a day. 30,000 eggs, so that... That's easy for you. Well, it's not easy. Uh, I'm on the spot now. Why have I done that? Why have I done that? Is going to be a two two and a half thousand, twelve, twenty four, half of twelve, six, thirty, two and a half thousand eggs, two and a half thousand dozen eggs a day. Uh, yeah, two point five k dozen. So that is then you're losing sixteen pence per dozen. Uh yeah. Right, so that's what's that times? Wait, so, so it's two hundred and fifty would be ten percent plus half of that another hundred and twenty-five, three seven five plus another yeah, so about three hundred and ninety pounds a day you're losing. Is that right? Something like that could have been it could have gone up to more. Jesus Christ. But, yeah. And and how long was that the case for? Uh, from when the war started until Christmas. Oh my God! So essentially a year, ten months. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's yeah, that's shit. <laughs> that's not good. How much? How much would you be expecting for a dozen? What would? What was what you were used to? Well, I was on one pound and five pence for a dozen, but it was only cost me a pound to produce right okay yeah and then the production cost went up but the eggs didn't follow jesus and wh where are you now are you in a better place now i take it uh yes yeah um, I, yeah no point lying about it yeah we are uh, a lot better um but we've got to be because so many people have lost so much money and so many people have stopped producing eggs you know they stopped stocking their sheds so you've got to put the price of eggs back to entice these sheds back in to get the quantity of eggs back 
Um, but yeah, we're in a lot better place now. Wait, you need to be like, you need to be. Yeah. It's a huge investment to be losing money. Yeah. It's not like, and then you, you couldn't sell it because what businessman would buy a business that's losing over 300 pound a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A quite expensive business for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And what, how, not what or how, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's, right, I guess what I'm saying is bird flu was the reason. Uh, bird, no, sorry, it wasn't the reason. It was it was a little part, reason. part. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. you know. So 2.5 million birds died from bird flu. Yeah. Um, 10 million birds didn't get ordered for the, for the next flock. So yeah. Because people couldn't afford it. It could afford to. They didn't order ten million birds. So you know, that was bird flu. That was not enough money. Yeah, and I take it you were you were um, you were having to lock everything in the whole time. Is that right? Yes, we were at, we were on lockdown. Yeah, that wasn't nice. Uh, no, I hate lockdown. I hate lock. I hate bird lockdown because I built a free range shed. I want my doors open. I want my birds going out. I think it's so much nicer. I wouldn't have built a shed. I wouldn't have built any other shed. Free range, I want my birds to be. I want them to go outside, roam, do what you please outside, then come back in, lay your egg, then go outside and do what else you please. That's that's what I always wanted. Uh, so the lockdown, I don't like. No. Now, riddle me this. How was there free range eggs in the shop? So your birds can be locked in for 16 weeks before you lose your free range status. Oh, could it? Right, okay. Yeah. So my birds have been roaming. They got locked in. Sixteen weeks hit the barn eggs then. Right. Okay. They are. They've been free range birds, and then after sixteen weeks, they're then barn birds. So, how long was the lockdown? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R Two Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug. The sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. 20, yeah, almost 30 weeks, I think. So for those birds that have been free range whole life and then they lose that accreditation, can yeah. they then become free range again? Um Probably yes. Right. Okay. Because as soon as the doors open and they go out, they are free range, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what what sort of premium do you get for being free range compared to not? You get more money for your eggs, free range, and what cost more to buy in the shop, don't they, than barn and caged? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you just get more money for your eggs for being free range. If what what made you choose layers over broilers? I don't like the broiler system personally i agree <laughs> they yeah. come in they come in a day old and they go out at 30 days old it's shocking i don't I, I, you know if there's broiler farmers listening or whatever you someone's got to do it but i personally wouldn't want to do it it's too quick of a turnaround for me i think that's fair i think that's fair i was actually in a place today um where by law, farrowing crates are illegal uh, in pigs, but if you have them, they're still usable until you get rid of them. 
uh, and we were in a place that's still using them for research, uh, not not for, um, not commercially, purely yeah. for research. And the person who was doing the research is like, look, this isn't the way. We don't want this. It's to prove the other way's better. Um, but by God, it was awful. And it, it's like, yeah, uh, I think broilers is down that route. <laughs> and uh, I don't like it personally, isn't it? You know, um, but. People want chicken and they want chicken cheap. You know, you can't. You don't go to a shop and you buy a free range whole chicken, do you? No, no. You know, you, you just don't get it. You know, the country eats a lot of chicken, and that's the one way to get your chicken in Tesco's and Nasda and whatever. It, it eats a ridiculous amount of chicken. I mean, I'm quite a lamb fan, quite a beef fan. I understand they're expensive. I do. Um, and fish, but. I, I know you can go to Asda or whatever and get three kilo of frozen chicken for whatever, and it's like, oh, there's no way this animal can have lived an, an enjoyable life. Like, it just can't have. So, no, I, I kind of thought that was going to be your answer, actually. I kind of thought that was going to be your answer. Um, so the struggles last year, you're saying you're... <coughs> sorry, pardon me. You're saying you're in a better place now. Does it feel like that's quite secure for now? Yes. Um, so the new contracts are all tracking, um, all tracking contracts, isn't it? So they'll follow feed price and all that. So if feed goes extortionately high like it did last year, then our egg price should, you know, go up with it to help us manage them costs. Well, yeah, that's something. That's that's got to be good. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the input thing's scary. Like I said to you, your inputs must be through the roof. And Yeah, so my feed last year went from £250 a tonne to £400 a tonne, like, in a week. So I was paying, like, £250 a tonne, and then the next week, my next load was £400 a tonne. Yes, yeah, so you've, you've went from a grand to 1600 a day. Yeah. Yeah. Gee whiz. That's, it's, like, scary figures, that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And do you mind me asking what you're at at the minute? Feed, what? Feed that wise? cost, yeah. Uh, 360, I think. Yeah, so it's still not like, you know, it's not where it was, yeah. Never will, never will. No, 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 it's not going to, it's not going to. Um, fertiliser and fuel costs have just, I know fuel's much better now than it was, but what was it, who was I last week? I was at a trip and... Uh, They'd said the max they'd paid for rebated, like red diesel, was 132. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they were now at 67 and they said we're one pence off of being half. Wow. Yeah. Like, I just bought some fertilizer delivered a couple of days ago. That was down to 405. So it's a lot better than it was. Yeah. Well, it hit four figures at one point, or was it 900 it hit? Absolute peak. Something like that. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was a worrying time because I mean it was around sort of just before your cop, that which cop, but uh, and I had a few mates with it and they were like, yeah, they were talking about Haber Bosch process and they're like, this is going to be enemy number one. We're getting rid of this. Like four figures is where it's staying, so it's good. It's back down, but it's still double where it was. Yeah, not a year ago, but aye, 14, 15 months ago. Yeah. Yeah, what in last, last year was a perfect storm to shaft farming. Yeah, everything that could have 
gone to make farming more difficult happened, unfortunately. And it was out of our control, really. You know, and the poultry was just the the poultry was a perfect storm. Everything ha- everything that was gonna make poultry rubbish happened. Um and it was out of our control. Um, but unfortunately we had to subsidize that for you know 10 months. But that that shouldn't fall on the shoulders of this sector. It, no. But that's it, what like, people complain. Oh, you know, you farmers, you get subsidies, you get all these subsidies. Yes, so you can have cheap food. Yeah. You don't have it for us to go on a cruise. We have the subsidy to keep our costs low so you can have cheap food. That's all it is. That's it's 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 because you want cheap food. If you cut the subsidies, food price goes straight up because we can't produce it. We can't produce it for cheap. And it's a, a massive national privilege to have that because well eu-based privilege sorry uh because we're here we're in, we're in a country that's supposed to be the most developed in the world you know arguably the one i hate the term developed but that's the word they say we're not allowed to say first and third world anymore so we say developed and developing which i think is if we're not if we're developed, we're no longer developing, so we're saying we're perfect, which we're so far from. And we've got, is it not something like 7 or 8% of people using food banks on a, on a consistent basis? Like, And for even, even people that aren't using food banks, people that are living what 10 years ago was a decent salaried life, could probably buy a house, could probably do whatever, now can't afford to eat food and can't afford... I was going to say safe, nutritious food, but it's really food at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a worrying prospect that the whole no subsidy. Like. The thing is, like, I don't know, this is just me personally, right? I don't want oodles of money coming at me for my produce. I just want to live a nice life and be able to provide good healthy food Mm -hmm. i don't you know if it costs me one pound to produce it all i want is one pound and a penny just so i'm not losing money you know i can live comfortably you know i can whatever i like it's not as if we're making food expensive because we want more money the only reason we're making food expensive is because our inputs are so high it's not it's not the farmer dictating right this, these eggs, you need to buy these 12 eggs for £2.50. That's nothing to do with me. That's nothing to do with me at all. I, I'm just, I'm the bottom of the food chain. We're the bottom of the food chain. We get the last, whatever, we got whatever's left over. But all I want is to cover my costs. Well, I'm just out of interest, just actually looking on to a supermarket whom shall remain nameless just to see how much a dozen of random eggs are. Let's look at free-range eggs. Um, are you, do you, I don't know how this works. Do you offer large, medium, or is, is, have you got grading that you offer everything? Yeah, i got large, medium, eggs. Right, so Tesco, oh no, I didn't remain nameless. It's, uh, it's not Tesco. <laughs> not very good at this. Uh, Large free-range eggs, six-pack, what do you think it's going to be? 
a six pack, so half a dozen. Half a dozen, yeah, 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 half a dozen. Two quid, two pound. So it's one seventy-five. Yeah, so that's that's three fifty they're getting for that. Three fifty for a dozen. Yeah, and you're you're sitting at one oh nine. Was it one? That's what I was sitting at. Yeah, I'm a bit high now. Uh, but for the yeah, you know, just over a pound for sure. Oh yeah. So they they've got a knocking on three hundred percent markup. Well, I know there's there's middle folk in there. I know that. Because um, I my thing is though, right? Really, we're all businesses, isn't it? And everybody wants to make a profit. Tesco wants to make a profit. Oh, I said it too. A supermarket wants to make a profit. The packer wants to make a profit, and I want to make a profit. But we just need to distribute it so we're all instead of one or two making a profit, all three of us should be able to make a profitable business yeah. out of it. <clears throat> instead of one taking all the money and leaving us chasing our tails. No, definitely. And for legal purposes, I do want to say that other supermarkets exploiting farmers are available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at this. Cut that, uh, cut that bit out. Bleep it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It never happened. It never happened. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's, it's always quite interesting because, like, you speak to folk. I think the first person I spoke to post-Ukraine was Crawford Niven. I don't know if you've came across a sort of a farming YouTuber up here in Scotland, and he spoke oh, about arms. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, got, yeah. he's got one of my merchandise hats. Oh, has he? Yeah, I speak to him quite a lot, yeah. There you are, there you are. He's a good guy, Crawford. Um, and he sort of spoke about the increase in inputs and in, in, from the arable side and and I speak to most folk that are are on the ground farming and, and talk about this and it always every time I'm like man like the the circumstances this country's putting the most important and I'm yet to find anyone that can dispute that most important industry in is is sad. Yeah. Uh, but here it's been a pleasure to chat. It's always good fun to meet folk and time flies by. I've spoke for an hour. I don't know if you think it felt that way or maybe right. if Maybe it felt like three for you. <laughs> I'm, I go off on tangents and I just talk and talk and talk at people, not with people. That's my problem. <laughs> not at all, not at all. I, I mean, we've, we've actually been on the call, you and I, for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does, does fly by. It's, it's quarter, to, quarter to nine. Um, but there's, there's two questions. I think you'd said you'd listened to a couple of podcasts before. Two questions I ask everyone. Um, the first one is uh, where do you see yourself in five years and the second one is and you're you're quite probably a good person to ask this because yes it was handed down to you but you've certainly put your your mark on it if you had tips for folk getting into farming what would they be right five years from now um we're probably be in the same place just hopefully my hair will grow back <laughs> <laughs> I'll have hair again, hopefully in five years. Um two cast sponsored by Belgravia. I don't think they're gonna be, I don't think you're gonna speak um, to me with this face, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so in five years, hopefully I'll have a few more um strings to my bow. Yeah, I've got a few things coming up in the pipeline. Uh and hopefully in five years they should be one of them should be up and running anyway. Yeah. So yeah. A little bit of a, I get bored, see, a little bit of a, try to be a little yeah. bit of an entrepreneur, try a few different things. Um, and then advice for people trying to get into farming. Um, 
the one thing I would tell anyone is try your best to go to an agricultural college. Um, it's really difficult to get into the agricultural industry on your own. So an agricultural college will help you learn the basics of farming and it depends how long you stay there. They'll help you with advances of farming, but they can also put you in contact with placements and farms and farmers to go and experience, you know, life on a farm. If you are not sure what you want to do, you want to be a dairy farmer or, you know, a sheep farmer or arable farmer, well, you can go off and try these different things. You know, if you're young and trying to get in it, if you're a bit older and trying to get in it, I don't know, it's, it's difficult. Yes, yeah. But if you're, you know, if you're not in college or college age, you've got to work a lot of time for a lot, for not a lot of money, you know. I don't take a wage um, off the farm. Right. So if I, you know, want shopping or something, I ask my mum and dad for a little bit of money um, or, and then all my house bills and stuff are paid by my wife. I'm very lucky that way, isn't it? But, so I don't take a wage off the farm. All the money that the farm makes goes straight back into it. Um, yeah, so as a new entrant, if you've got a farm tenancy, if you can get a farm tenancy or something, don't expect to make, you know, getting yourself a lot of money. All that money needs to go back into the farm to improve your business. <clears throat> Hopefully, it's a long, it's a long, slow process, isn't it? Getting into farming, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. As um, I, I did a thing on a thread on Twitter, and I asking about people, uh, how much money do you make, and not how much money you make, how much money do you pay yourself? And everyone was like, yeah, nothing, nothing really. You know, we try and put money back into the farm. It's really, really difficult. I, I am feel very lucky that I have been a, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that was born onto a farm. Um, I, if I wasn't born onto a farm, I wouldn't be doing it. I don't, I couldn't see, I couldn't see myself away from myself getting into a farm unless I was getting a farm tenancy. And I don't think I'd be, a, I don't think, I'd, I don't think I'd be a farm worker either because it wouldn't make me enough money. You know, I'd want, I want, I want and that's the problem. That's the problem with the industry. It's not an attractive industry to get people in because we're not making, you can't, like, I can't pay people ridiculous wages to come in. Do you know what I mean? It's really, really hard. And us as farmers, we like to, I am being a bit doom and gloom and I hate being doom and gloom. It's my, the worst thing, but it is difficult. It, it, it's hard. It's harder than people think. You say about doom and gloom, like I rate your honesty, man. I think it's a thing we've got to talk about. Or <clears throat> we spoke about politics at the start and I said how little I know about it, but those are some of the guys that can change things. And if we're just saying, yeah, we're grand, like it's that's not going to get anything fixed, you know? So, no. um, and, and I have got so much respect for first-generation farmers and people taking all that on um, because it must be just so difficult, so hard. Um, I help people as much as i can you know if if there's someone around here on a farm that's like oh i need to do this i'm like yep i'll help you straight away you know and i don't i don't send bills out or anything i'm just trying to help people 
I want to see other people succeed. And that is a very rare thing in farming, I think. There's a big jealousy in farming, like, oh, you can't be doing better than me. You can't be doing better than me. I don't care what you're doing, as long as we're all succeeding as one in the agricultural industry. I couldn't agree more with that. And I think there's this sort of, like, um, how didn't you know that? You know, feel well, I'm 18 or whatever, or... I didn't need to know this. Like, let's, let's instead of being like, don't be a dick, like, tell me what the crack is and let's try and work it out. <clears throat> so, yeah, no, I agree. I agree entirely. And I've suddenly developed a voice like a frog and it's all croaky. But, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I, I agree entirely. Um, but, no, here, it's been a pleasure. Appreciated your time, man. I, I've fair enjoyed the chat. I hope hope you've enjoyed it yourself. Yeah, most definitely have. It's been really great. Really oh, good. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. For those of you listening, I really don't know what's happened to my voice. Okay. <clears throat> Still here. Anyway, um, for those of you listening, uh, that was R2 Cast number 104, Johan Humphreys. Good episode uh, uh, all in. Um, I don't know what the next episode is. I've got a feeling it's going to be Benji Eagle, who we're speaking about off camera, actually, Johan. Um, you might think I post a lot of podcasts. Well, <laughs> this man's a different breed. Um, I don't know. I don't actually know how many videos he puts out or how many uh, episodes he puts out a month. But um, he has got about 200 episodes of his Meet the Farmers podcast. He did start a wee bit before me. But um, yeah, it'd be good to chat pods, good to chat analytics, good to see who's more of a media nerd. Uh, I would like to think it's me, but I think he's probably got me beat in this one. In fairness, the guy is a fountain of knowledge in this side of things. So looking forward to that one. Um, <clears throat> if you want to hear another podcast podcaster's story, go back to R2Cast 102, where we had Nick and James of Farming Funny on. Um, good bit of crack, just taking the piss out of James for being minted, to be honest. Um, that was pretty much what the hour was. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the plan for then. Don't know what episode number don't know what episode number 106 is number 107 will be the r2cast all in um with with some world travelers so looking forward to that thank you to you and appreciate your time thank you much for having me and uh we shall see you next week for the next episode of the r2cast i hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the r2cast i just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more a plan rural if you follow a plan on social media you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.